0: Whoa, that's a different world. Appreciate your pastor, and uh, just thankful for him and his wife and family and um, the friendship that we've had uh, for a, a number of years now. And thankful for your church, the lighthouse that you are in the area. And all that God's doing here. Ephesians is an incredible book. How many of you have read through the book of Ephesians before? Raise your hand. Uh, no doubt, as you've read through the book of Ephesians, you've been encouraged. You've been challenged. Uh, probably it's been a, a time in your life when you read the book of Ephesians uh, that you noticed that you probably took some steps of growth. And uh, man, the book of Ephesians is just rich in help for every Christian. Um, and so we're going to, uh, we'll discover a few things about the book of Ephesians this morning. But before we get into it, let me just give you a little bit of background. Uh, many of you know about Paul. Uh, Paul the Apostle was a great, at one time a great persecutor of the of the early church, wasn't he? Uh, those of you that know scripture, Paul was one that he preached, uh he went about as Saul of Tarsus, as a devout Jew, uh really as a devout Pharisee. And remember what he called himself? I'm the Pharisee among Pharisees, uh, raised at the feet of one of the leading Pharisees of the day. And so Saul of Tarsus was preaching against uh, this new uprising, this new uh, uh, stuff called, this new religion called The Way. And of course you recall Acts chapter number 8 and 9. Saul of Tarsus on his way to Damascus to uh, no doubt to uh, uh, bring people into jail and see Christians killed for their faith. And yet on that journey he meets Jesus Christ. And I hope you remember the day when you met Christ. I hope you remember the time when you received Jesus into your life. Paul did that. Acts chapter number 9. And we recall the Bible tells us that God just did a transformative work in the life of Saul of Tarsus. He would become Paul. Now he's now he's no longer a persecutor, now he's a preacher of truth. And the scripture, the book of Acts, records for us really the journeys of Paul from Acts chapter 13 all the way to Acts twenty-eight. It's it's three different trips that Paul took ministering to people and reaching people and church planting and seeing. Literally thousands of people come to be saved. Well, the year is 53 AD or about that time and Saul of Tarsus or now Paul, he would come to a town called Ephesus. You can read about it in Acts chapter number 18 as Paul travels on one of his missionary journeys, his second to uh, Ephesus. He just kind of comes there and he stops there for probably about a week but then he leaves, goes to Jerusalem, takes care of some business. And then on his third missionary journey, Acts 19, records for us Saul of Tarsus, or Paul, coming into Ephesus. God would use Paul in an incredible way in Ephesus. If you know the story, uh, Paul would spend a number of months there over over a year and a half. Many people, I mean, you can look in Scripture, up to three years that Paul would have spent on and off in Ephesus. I mean, just ministering and God using him And Ephesus became one of those um, kind of lighthouse churches, if I can say it that way, that it was really growing and God was using the believers there. Well, Acts chapter number 20, Paul would see the the elders or the pastors, the the pastor and staff from that church in Ephesus. And Paul would challenge them to feed the flock of God and, and have oversight of the people. Acts chapter 20, verse number 28 is kind of one of those famous verses in the life of Paul speaking to the elders of Ephesus. Paul would continue on his journey. He would be arrested for his faith. You know the story. He would be thrown in prison. He would be taken and put in house rule in Rome. And it is from this house prison, it is from this jail cell in Rome that ten years later, Paul would write back to the believers in Ephesus. And Paul, as he sits in this jail cell, the Mamertine prison, really it would be a a dungeon-like cell that he would be on house arrest in, and although he would be allowed to have visitors, he wasn't really allowed to do much except for write, perhaps read a little bit, and, and fellowship or spend time with people that came to meet him. And so Paul would spend time writing letters like Ephesians and Colossians, writing letters like the letter of Philemon, And one thing, I'll bring it out right now, I'll mention it here in a little bit when we see it once again. One thing I love about Paul in these passages, in these books, is he's in a jail cell. And he's writing to be an encouragement to somebody. Let me ask you, who do you encourage when you're going through trials? And we all face them, don't we? And yet, I I don't know about you, when I go through a trial, I'm not thinking, you know, I really wish I could be an encouragement to somebody. If we're honest, when we're going through a trial, we're probably thinking, man, I wish someone would be an encouragement to me. And yet here's Paul sitting in a jail cell, not knowing what's going to take place. And he writes to a church, the book of of Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus, wanting to help them understand, I want you to know what you have in Christ. The book of Ephesians is a book of grace. It's a book about our placement in Christ. And as we start this morning... Here in Ephesians, before I really jump into the passage, I just want to ask you, do you ever struggle with, and I know you do, do you ever struggle with wondering what people think about you? If we're honest, we all do. Everybody, regardless of who you are, everybody wants to be liked. Every, every pastor wants to be a, a speaker that people enjoy hearing. Every husband wants to be liked by his wife, hopefully. Every wife wants to be liked by her husband. Every kid wants to be liked by their parents. Uh, think about school. Think about college. Think about the sports team. Man, you just wonder, what do people think about you? I remember my wife Hannah and I, of course, uh, we, we met when we were teenagers, but when I was in college, I was singing at a camp, and uh, she came up to visit at this camp, and we, we hadn't been around each other. I didn't really know each other very well, and and it was one of those, I hate to say it this way, it was one of those love at first sight type things. I saw her and I thought, man, I remember her, but I just can't recall her name. I, I, but man, she's beautiful and I i, I want to talk to her. I want to get to know her. And I remember she uh, saw me and we rekindled just a little bit of a friendship. Really, we had just kind of known of each other and maybe, maybe we had had two or three conversations in all of our years up to that point. And over the course of that was a Tuesday. Over the course of that afternoon, we spent five hours talking, uh, just like rekindling, re-getting to know each other a little bit. And I said, "Hey, I know you're not staying at camp this week, but you should stay with my cousin and stay at camp this week." She said, well, "I didn't bring didn't bring a lot of clothes." I'm like, "That's all right. All you girls share clothes, so just borrow hers. You'll be fine." And she's like, "Okay." And so she stayed at camp. Her parents left. She stayed at camp, and she stayed in my cousin's cabin. My cousin Brianna. And I can remember that week, you know what I asked Brianna every time I saw her? Hey, Brianna, did Hannah say anything about me? Hey, Brianna, what's, what's Hannah saying? Hey, Brianna, does Hannah like me? Hey, Brianna, I wanted to know. What does Hannah think? We've all been there. We've all had those times when we're curious. What does someone think about you? You ever wondered what God thinks about you? I don't know if you have. I know I have. Now, what's God think about me? What does God, when he thinks of Dennis Fountain, what, what comes to his mind? I think the believers at Ephesus, they were perhaps wondering this as well, because as Paul writes to them the encouragement of the book of or the letter of Ephesians that we read today, we find him writing to them, I want to tell you what God thinks about you. And so this morning, as readers, we're going to join the believers in Ephesus to understand what God thinks about you. I'm going to tell you this morning what God thinks about you through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what God told Paul to write about you and about believers. We're going to discover today what God thinks about us. So take your Bible, if you would. Ephesians chapter number one. Let's stand together. Just give you a moment to stretch your feet. Pastor said I had an hour and a half to preach, and so I want you to be able to stretch. Okay, he didn't say that, but uh, I'll give you you a moment to stretch and then we will get right into this. Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 1, the Word of God says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and, and without, blame in, without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. This morning we'll stop at verse number 6. And we're going to look again, just a few short thoughts out of Ephesians chapter number 1. And it's a message that, honestly, it it has been a, a huge help to me. It's been a big encouragement to me. Because if you're like me, There's days when you don't think much of yourself. And there's days when the devil climbs up on your shoulder and convinces you that God doesn't think much of you. This morning, I want to go to Ephesians 1. I want us just to find out, what does God think of me? I believe it'll be a passage that'll help us, encourage us, strengthen us, as well as challenge us this morning. Let's ask God to bless our time, and then we'll get into the Word this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take just a minute And just in the quietness of where you're standing or seated, would you, between you and God, would you pray and ask God, God, please speak to me today. God, please speak to me today. And then would you make a commitment, God, if you speak to me, I'm going to listen to you today. Dear Lord, we come before you, we thank you for your word, we thank you for how you use it in each of our lives, and we thank you for how you want to use it today. And Lord, I pray that as we go through the word this morning, I pray that you would help us, I pray that you would just use the message today to speak to each of our hearts. Lord, we don't want, I, I don't want to speak this morning as just a man, I want to be used by you, we don't want to hear my words today, we want to hear from you, and so I pray, Lord, that you would speak in a very special way. pray for every single person, every decision that needs to be made, that you would help with that. For those with us online, for those that are with us, whether in person or online that don't know you as Savior, would you help today be that day where they put their faith and their trust in you. And God, we again just thank you for the opportunity to come, for the, the blessing, the music, the time to worship. We pray that you would use this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come to these few verses in Ephesians chapter number one, I just want to bring out three simple thoughts of what God thinks about you, what God thinks about me, what God thinks about anybody who believes in him. I want you to notice, first of all today, the thought that God, he adores you. God adores you. Notice, if you will, verse 1 and 2, we read them a minute ago. Uh, Paul just simply says this: Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints, which are at Ephesus. And to the faithful in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses one and two, it's just a simple greeting. It's like, uh, it's like on our letters today, maybe you would write like I do often. I'll write, uh, maybe I'll write Kyle and I'll say, Dear Kyle, I've never written Kyle, but uh, if I did, I'd write, Dear Kyle, hey, I hope you're doing well. Things are going good here. Listen, I just wanted to, and it's just kind of a uh, informal greeting. Hey, how are you doing? That's verses one and two. But I want you to skip, if you would, to verse 3 and 4, because I believe right here, Paul gets kind of right into some meat that's going to help us. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, notice the phrase, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Verse 4, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, And without blame before Him in love. The word blessed in verse number three, it means adorable. To be adored is God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul names one of the reasons why God is to be blessed. Because He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Here's what Paul is writing. Because God has blessed or adored us with all supernatural, spiritual, holy blessings through his love. Hey, God is to be worshipped. He is to be adored because he adores. You know what Paul is getting at in these verses? He's simply saying, before the foundation of the world, God placed value in you. The word adore, it means to place value upon. The word adore, it it means to care for, to love, and to choose to love in spite of. You know, God chose to love you even before He created the universe. He chose you for a purpose. What's that purpose? Well, to receive Him and then to be holy and without blame. And He is blessed. He is to be adored. Why? Because He has adored. God values you and He desires for all, of humanity to be, for all of humanity to be saved. That's how much God values all of humanity. Don't let somebody take a verse like some of these verses and tell you that God picks and chooses who will be saved because God does not pick and choose who will be saved. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, listen, but that all should come to repentance. You know, God's desire is, God's desire is that all mankind would be saved. Why? Because God desires, He, he adores mankind. And He places value on you. You wouldn't value someone that you would die for. And He values people that He dies for. And He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And because of the value that He places in our life... He would send Jesus Christ, I mean, as his perfect only begotten son, he would send Christ into the world to die for the sins of the world. We know for God so loved the world, that word love, man, it's a similar word to this word blessed, to adore. Man, God said, I love you so much. I don't want you to spend eternity separated with from me. And so God, what did he do? He created a way. We all, you know this, if you've been in church for any length of time, He created a way for you to come before God. He created a way for you to have forgiveness in every single person. You know what God thinks about you? God says, I adore you. I adore you. The reason He chose to redeem you today is because He adores you. And this is a... I think a simple and yet a profound and could be a life-changing truth if you would wake up every day reminded that you are adored and you are loved by Creator God. But can I tell you that it's not because of you. He doesn't love you because you're something special. He doesn't love Dennis because Dennis is something special. No, I have nothing to offer God. No, he loves us because he is love. God who created you, who created all of this universe, the ruler who, man, this is so crazy, the ruler who rules over everything, he says, I place value in you. 1 John 3, 1, behold, stop, pay attention. Hey, hey, look up here, John says, behold, pay attention to what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be or could be called the sons of God. Hey, just stop and bask for a minute in the fact that You are loved by the King of kings and Lord of lords. God loved us before we were even alive. He made a way for us to be holy and without blame before him, a plan to redeem us. He did all of that when we were being formed. Psalm 139, verse 13 through 18. Just listen or you can turn there if you'd like, but listen to how the psalmist wrote about the adoration, the love that God had for us. The psalmist talking to God, he said, For thou, O God, thou hast possessed my reins. You've covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance, who I was, my character, it was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance. You saw my individuality and my character, yet being unperfect, sinful. In thy book all my members were written. Which were in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious are thy thoughts also unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Man, the psalmist said, even before I was born, you saw my character, my substance, my individuality, my sinfulness. And yet your thoughts, your good thoughts toward me, those that word thoughts, it means purposeful thoughts. Your planned, planned out thoughts for me is more than the sand of the sea. And God adores you. 1 John 4, 19, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. That, play, that phrase, he first loved us, it means he's the originator of love. Love originates with him. You and I, we can only love him simply because love originates with him. He desires time with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to work in you. He wants the best for you. He offers grace and he gives strength and he has wisdom available to you and he will never leave you if you know him. Listen, hey, today I just want to remind you what Paul wrote when he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. Hey, To be adored is God the Father. Why? Because He adored you first. I see, number one, the day that God adores us. Number two, I want you to notice this. It's in verse number five. The verse verse says this, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Not only does God adore you, but secondly today, God adopts you. God adopts you. Now, I'm going to be honest with this thought today. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard about adoption. Being adopted into the family of God. But I hope to bring out a few principles from this to make adoption a little more real to us today. We know from Scripture that it was the plan before the foundation of the world, that whoever receives Jesus Christ would be given the spirit of adoption. He determined before we were born that if we received Him, He would adopt anyone who believed into His family. John 1.12, but as many as received Him... Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe upon His name. It was God's design, it is God's purpose, it is God's pleasure to not only adore and love us, but if we receive Him, He adopts us. Now, what Paul does is he takes a minute to remind these believers that God gives them this spirit of adoption. Now, the truth of being adopted into the family of God carries some very great significance with it for the believer. Because here's why. You don't get into God's family by adoption. We are born into the family of God. It's new birth that brings us into the family. Okay, don't miss it and follow it. Stay with me today. Regeneration, new birth. When you trusted Christ as Savior, the phrase is you were born again. You were given a spiritual birth. We are born by water, physical birth. We are born by the Spirit. Spiritual birth. But when we're born again, God also places upon us adoption. Well, why is that? I I wondered that. I've always wondered and, and thought, well, what is the difference between being born into and being adopted by? One man wrote it this way, Adoption is the act of God by which He gives those who are born into His family an adult standing in the family. Do you know what adoption brings with it? When someone is adopted into a family, they are given a name and they are given instant, oh, this is so good, they are given instant access to everything that belongs to that family. Now, to the readers, and to you and I living in American culture, this this will not, it doesn't make much sense just the way that it's written. But to the readers in Ephesus, it would make huge sense. Because if you're born into a family, let's say you're born into a very wealthy family. Even today, we have some of these rules in America. But if you're born into a, a wealthy family, when you turn 15... You can't, you can't state your claim. You have to wait until a certain age, don't you? You have to wait until, if, I mean, if someone dies and you have an inheritance, what do the courts do? Hey, wait until they're 18. That's, that's, that's by birth. Adoption, they had the similar laws, but when someone was adopted into the family, the age didn't matter. They could inherit the blessings immediately. Do you know what the great thought is about being not only born into the family of God, but adopted by the family, adopted by God is the fact that when you receive Christ, you have a new birth, but you have adoption, and with the adoption comes every spiritual blessing from God. What does that mean? It means that the moment you're saved, you have the same access to God that Pastor Haynes has. It means the moment you're saved, you can have the same wisdom from God that the person who's been saved for 40 years has. You don't have to wait to hit some certain uh, uh, point to grow. Now, do we all continue to grow? Yes. But it's not like God. Okay, how many of you have teenagers that have their license? Anybody? So our dentist, he just got his license a bit ago. Uh, a few months ago. But you know what I had to tell Dennis? Like when he was like 15 and he's like, hey, dad, can I take the car and run to the store? I'm like, no. Why? You don't have your license. Well, but dad, I have my permit. I can drive. You've driven with me. And he could argue with me all day long and we didn't do this, but he could have. He could have been like, but dad, I'm a good driver. You taught me. Dad, you did that, dad, 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 dad. And I'd say, no, wait till you're 16. Why? Because you have to hit a certain age before you get that blessing. Can I just tell you this morning that with God, God doesn't say to you and I, hey, I'll, you know, I'll do that, but why don't you wait till you're 16? Think about wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I don't know about you, but I need God's wisdom, and I don't want to wait until I've been saved for 30 or 40 or 50 years. I need God's wisdom today hey, grace or strength to get through trials. I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait until I've been saved for five years to get God's grace. No, no, no. I want God's grace today. I want God's grace right now. I want God's grace in the moment. And you know what Paul is writing to them? Hey, don't forget that you've been given, you've been predestined. God made it that if you were for anybody, whoever would receive Jesus Christ, they would be given the spirit of adoption. What's that mean? Instant access to God. Instant blessings. Instant blessings from God. God is not hiding from you until you hit some certain growth point. No, all of the riches in Christ are available to all who believe because we are adopted. Now this morning maybe maybe i'm i do a poor job of conveying it to you but adoption is a huge deal because adoption places value on someone who otherwise seems forgotten in our culture adoption is a beautiful picture of selfless love isn't it man we have some very good friends who are working uh to adopt uh, a baby and they've been working for a long time to do this and uh the baby is uh, baby jay and and our friends are working to adopt, adopt baby jay and you know what I've watched I've watched my friends just absolutely pour into baby Jay and offer him all the blessings that all of the other children partake in all the other kids get rooms and get beds and get food and all the other kids get privileges and you know what baby Jay gets he gets every same the other he gets everything that all of the other kids get why because those parents are showing hey we have selfless love we are bringing you into our family and god says not only do i bring you into my family by birth but i bring you in By adoption Romans 8 15 you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we can cry Abba father my dear father Titus 3 5 being justified by his grace we should be made heirs or adopted heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Listen God places so much value upon you that he adopts you and he gives you access to the riches that are in Christ. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4-7 through 7 tells us that we can cry, Abba, Father, because we are no more a servant, but we are a son and we are an heir of God through Jesus Christ. Hey, it's a big deal. You want to know what God thinks about you? You are not inconvenient to God. We have a culture that says children can be an inconvenience. A person who adopts a child says they're not an inconvenience. We have a culture that says children can be a waste of time. When you're adopted into a family, that family is saying you're not a waste of time. Culture says, you know, you're a, that child is a mistake and, and shouldn't be allowed to live. And we have a God that says, you're not a mistake. I adopt you into my family. What does God think about me today? Well, God adores me. God adopts me. Thirdly and lastly today, and don't miss this one, God accepts me. God adores you. God adopts you, and God accepts you. Verse number six: To the praise, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. I say, don't miss this today, because honestly, Pastor Kyle, every every time I come to this verse after studying it, my mind is blown. Paul is writing, ultimately, to the praise of glory of His grace. All of this is done because of Christ, and so all the praise goes to Him. But then he says, because of the fact that we are accepted in Him, and because of Him, all the praise goes to Him. But I want you to notice the phrase, because this is an absolutely astonishing verse. Do you notice the phrase in there when it says, He hath made us accepted in the Beloved? The word accepted and the word beloved... In the Greek language, what it was written in, they are the exact same word. And here's what they mean. Highly favored. So let me read it to you with those words. Wherein he hath made us highly favored in the highly favored. It's the same word, it's the same meaning. And so Paul says, God deserves a lot of praise because... You are highly favored because you are in the one who is highly favored. We cannot make ourselves acceptable to God. No, it's only by His grace. It's only because of the work of Jesus Christ. This is our eternal position that will never change. This is why This is why God could say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is why uh, John could write that we are in Jesus' hand and His hand is in the Father's hand and no man can pluck us out. Why? Because we are in the Beloved. We are highly favored because of the One who is highly favored. I would, I would want to do it this way. Dennis, come here, Dennis and Micah, come here real quick. I, I want to, I want to kind of give you a picture of this and just, uh, I mean, I wish I could, I wish I could demonstrate it for you in the way that, that I think. But if this is us, if this is us, the Bible tells us that Jesus, He is, He is wrapped around us, right? He, I, no, not like that. He is wrapped around us. Uh, uh, He, He is the one who highly favors us, but Jesus, He is highly favored by God. And so, here's what Paul is saying, like, you are highly favored because you are in the one who is highly favored, and no man will pluck you from that. And I, I think today that what a lot of Christians need to remember is I am this guy. I am the one that I don't deserve to be in God's presence. But because of Jesus Christ, because of his work on the cross, God, oh, this is so good. God no longer looks at you and sees you. God looks at you, but he sees you through his son. And so he accepts you. You are now highly favored. You now have status before him. You now not only are adopted and not only are born into his family but you haven't you are an heir with christ you know what that means it's like same position you say well pastor that, that that could be heresy i'm not the same position as christ no 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 my friend you are brought into the family of god not because of you but now when god looks at you god doesn't see you god sees his son thanks guys it's just this idea that you are wrapped up in christ because of christ we are highly favored because of the one, who is highly favored. Now, why would God do this for me? I mean, think about it. I don't know if you. I don't know if you ever do this, but do you ever have to give yourself a pep talk in the mirror? Do you ever? Am I, am I the only insane person in here that does that? No, I'm not, because you do it. Man, there's times when you're getting ready to go somewhere, and you look in the mirror, and you think to yourself can't believe you and you look in the mirror and you think man there's no way he loves you there's no way she loves you there's no way and i know there's times in our christian life that spiritually we think man i am nothing before god and you know what we're 100 correct but you know what god does god says "No, no 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 you're everything in me because i adore you i value you i adopted you and not only that you're highly favored before me i accept you I am nothing before God. I have nothing to offer God. I bring nothing to gain for God. And yet, all of these spiritual blessings are mine. All of the favor, all of the inheritance, all of the good, it's all made possible because of Jesus Christ. And the fact is that you are highly favored because Christ is favored. 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Colossians 3, 3, you are dead, but your life is hid in Christ with God, or in with Christ in God. Hebrews seven twenty two and 25, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament, whereof wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing that He ever Liveth and maketh intercession for them. Listen, Jesus stands before you and God. Christ is seen before God. And Jesus is the one who's representing or interceding you, interceding for you before God every single day. I am accepted by Christ. I am favored by God because of Jesus Christ. Do you ever hate turning on the news? I do. And yet I do it all the time. I pay attention to the news, try to pay attention to current events, but you know what the news can be? News can be so discouraging. My grandmother, she passed away a number of years ago, but my grandmother, she was one that you would walk in her, you would walk in their house, her and my grandpa, and you know what was always on? The news. Like all the time. And my grandmother, she was like anxious all the time. Like she'd be there and she'd be like, oh, Did you Dennis, did you see this? Did you see what's happening? Did you see the world? Did you see? Did you see? Did you see? And my grandpa, grandpa Hank, he'd just be there. He'd just look at me and roll his eyes. He'd be like, she's doing it again, man. I walk in, I'd grab the remote, and she'd go, oh, Don't change it. We might miss something. Hey, you know what? I'm like, grandma, change it. The the news is discouraging. We have a lot of discouraging things in this world. And we have a culture, this is crazy. We have a culture and we have a a, 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 a product in our culture and people. Do you know what they want to solicit to? They want to solicit to your failures. Hey, buy this new makeup product because you're not good enough without this makeup. Hey, buy this new, buy this new coat because you're not good enough without this new coat. Hey, buy this new pair of work boots because you can't really accomplish jobs with this pair of work boots. Hey, you need to buy these sunglasses because everybody who's cool has these sunglasses. Buy this gaming system because you have to have the newest and the best. And you better, you better get that new, you better get that new update. Make sure you have more V-Bucks. Make sure you can, whatever the, the gaming thing is. What, listen, Culture just solicits to imperfections. The world can be filled with discouragements telling me I am not good enough. The world can be filled with so many things telling me that I, telling me, listen, telling me that I don't measure up. The world can be filled and culture can be filled and the voices of this world can, can fill my mind to tell me I am worthless and I am pointless. But you know what God says to you today? You are not worthless. You are not pointless. I adore you. I love you. Man, you are not worthless. You're not pointless. I adopted you. If you've received me into your life, man, you're adopted into my family and you're not worthless you're not pointless why because i highly favor you i accept you but not because of you i i accept you because you've accepted my son while this world can be filled with tons of discouragement you know it'd be healthy for the christian to get back into the book of encouragement Now, i don't know where you're at in life i've met some of you i know your names out of people in here Pastor and Mrs. Haynes are the two that I would know the most. But even them, I I don't know Pastor Haynes' heart right now. You don't know my heart right now. But I'd venture to say that every single one of us live in a discouraging culture and we fight discouragement. Every one of us do. My dad passed away in October. My dad used to say this. He would say, as you go around, just show people Jesus and encourage them because you never know what someone's going through. Can I tell you this today? I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through, but God does, and God says to you, I care about you. God says to you, I adore you. I place value upon you. God says to you, if you've received me, you, you get all the spiritual blessings. They're all yours. You don't have to wait. I give you access to me today. We can come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain grace and mercy to find help in time of need. And God says, listen, I accept you. I completely accept you. Not because of you. I accept you just the way you are. I don't know what you're going through. But I know that this week, if you're like me, I know this week, I'm going to be face to face with my enemy. And this week, the devil's going to climb up on your shoulder. And this week's, the devil's going to say, how dare you? The devil's gonna say, you, you did what? God, God doesn't love you. The devil's gonna say, I, I can't believe you would say that to your spouse. Look at you. Wait, wait, you're, you claim to be a Christian and you, you're doubting me? Or you're doubting God? Hey, a real Christian wouldn't doubt. Hey, a real Christian wouldn't struggle. Hey, a real, the devil's gonna do that, isn't he? This week, you know what I want to encourage you to do? Go to Ephesians 1 and just put it right back in the devil's face. Hey, devil, you're not going to discourage me this week. Why? Because God values me. God adopts me. And God completely accepts me. All because of Jesus Christ. And so I close with two challenges today. Number one, this week as discouragements come. We remember what God thinks about you. Just ask the Lord, God, help me this week to remember what you think about me. Help me this week to remember that you place value upon my life. And then number two, number two, would you ask God, God, since you think all of these things about me, God, would you help me to value you like you value me? God, would you help me to live for you like an adopted child? And God, Would you help me to spend time with you? Because you accept me. So the challenge today, God, would you help me to fight discouragement by remembering what you think about me? And then God, would you help me to think the same things about you that you think about me? God, help me to love you just like you love me. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, and we're going to prepare just for a time of, of invitation to respond to the Lord maybe you're here this morning and you don't know if you died today that you'd go to heaven. I hope that today would be a day that you put your faith and your trust completely in him. If you do know Christ today as your Savior, would you make those two decisions? Would you today just pray and ask God, God, would you help me? Help me to remember what you think about me this week when discouragement comes. And God, would you help me to think about you, to value you the way you value me? I'm going to pray and then turn it over to the pastor. If God spoke to you, I hope that you would respond this morning. God, thank you so much for the word of God. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, each and every day. Would you help us to remember the value that you place upon us? Lord, I know I need this. Father, I need it in this world of discouragement. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged because we are loved by you, we are valued by you, we're accepted by you. Lord, I pray that if there is someone with us in person or online that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, would you help today, be, today to be the, the day that they truly put their faith and their trust in you, to realize that you love them and gave your life and that on the cross so they could have eternal life. Bless the invitation, Lord, help us to respond to you as you've spoken to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Pastor.